hey, there's lots of services out there that talk about Google reviews. But why don't you listen to a couple of users of Clinic Gym Connect who talk about how easy it can be to get Google reviews through text messaging. Remember, texts get opened five times more than emails. So if you're sending requests for Google reviews, man, oh man, is it worth your time to send it via text? Here's Mark and Carson talking about their experience using Clinic Gym Connect. We have a automation set up where it sends them a text responding to it saying, hey, thanks for your feedback. Would you mind sharing that in the form of a Google review? Leave the uh, link in there. It's a simple click. And we've seen some success with that. Out of the nine and tens, I would say it's about 25% leave Google reviews. We had one patient a couple of weeks ago who, you know, wasn't really warm when they came in. We uh-huh. sent them through the new patient campaign, sent them a picture, made it easy for them to get here. Seemed fine at checkout. And then I go and get a notification that night that they left us a five-star Google review. So I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. So it just shows that, you know, you never know how everybody's going to react. On my calls, when I originally pick up the phone, oh, why'd you you choose us? What brought you here? I've gotten a handful that say, no, well, on Google, seen a bunch of good things being said. So that's one of the first things I look at. And it made it easy for us to pick you. So just like that, you can collect a bunch of text message-based Google reviews. Now, Mark and Carson have done a great job of this, but I have to tell you, we have another user who sent out a boatload of requests and in one weekend got 64 new Google reviews. I mean, talk about success. So if you're interested in those kind of numbers, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com or email me and be happy to set up a demo for you. Thanks a lot. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it is my absolute pleasure today to be joined by Dr. Lindsay Muma. Lindsay, how are you? I am doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Lindsay, where are you calling in from today? Where are you joining us from? Raleigh, North Carolina, which Ah, is uh, not quite as warm as it needs to be right now, but the sun did just start peeking out, so hoping for a warm weekend. Fantastic. All right. Well, for those of you who are listening and don't know Lindsay, she is, uh, I met her at the Parker seminars and Parker basically pulled a Tom Brady move with her, recruited her early, got her cheap, but she's a a rising star and will be amazing things here. Um, So for those who- I don't think I've ever in my life been compared to Tom Brady. I mean, Well, listen, for those who know Tom Brady's story, I'm comparing you to the photo he took at the NFL draft, you know, where he's- Yes. Yeah. yeah. Number 85th or whatever he was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, me. you're way ahead of me. I don't care. I'll take it. Like, yeah. No, you're a way better chiropractor than he was at that point in his life. So, <laughs> yeah. Such but, anyways, so Lindsay, you are, uh, you know, Parker has you talking all about the pelvic floor. Um, you have taught for various entities all about the public floor, pelvic floor. Uh, you've taught all about keeping women healthy pre, post, mid, natal. Um, is there a midnatal or is it just pre and post? Uh, I think maybe you ought to just real quick throw a trademark on that because I don't think I've ever heard midnatal yeah. and I'm like all up in the pregnancy world. Yeah, maybe we should start the uh, midnataltraining.com or something, you know? Yeah, before anyone no else does. What a great yeah, idea. for sure. All right, well, if you're listening to this, forget you ever heard that. Wait do you see the course we come up with <laughs> for midnatal training. Anyways, can you give everybody a little background of... Uh, you know, we know you're a chiropractor, but what what else do you do? Because it seems like a lot of people want to talk to you about it. Well, I, uh, I'm the owner of my practice and we have, I now have two other chiropractors who work with me and an acupuncturist and we have a pelvic PT and we have a plunge and a sauna and women's fitness classes. And it's, it's, you know, a fun hop in place. And I do a lot of work with prenatal and postpartum women. And, but I also see, you know, dudes who got injured in their desk jockey position and, you know, weekend warriors and triathletes. And um, I don't see a lot of 
pros I have at times, but it's not something that I am actively seeking. Uh, I, I really, I see a lot of families. Uh, there are lots of kids in my office. I have a little kid's nook with things to climb on and a giant stuffed llama that they, you know, ride. Who doesn't love a llama? <laughs> You know? Who doesn't love a llama? Um, no one I would on and it, it's a very family-friendly practice, but I also, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I love hands-on manual care, so I will see yeah. anybody, and I really enjoy doing that. I, I kind of got a very special interest in what prenatal care would look like by first getting very interested in what what I was going to do for my own fitness in the prenatal time period. I was planning to get pregnant, which I think is a position that not a lot of people always find themselves in. I think it's a significant number of pregnancies are a surprise. And I was looking forward to getting pregnant and I wanted to plan it all out of of what it was going to look like. Um, And I was like, well, I still want to work out kind of like, you know, intensely. And I, w- I wasn't interested in taking brisk walks. You know, I, w- I really wanted to know how much weightlifting could I be doing during pregnancy. And there wasn't a ton of information out there. I did come across the book Exercising Through Your Pregnancy by James Clapp. And I think it's Marissa Cram. Um, I wish that everybody would read that book who ever works with in a physician capacity or a coaching capacity with pregnant women because it essentially took women who were deciding that they wanted to be active during their pregnancy and women who were deciding that they didn't want to be active. Cause there's like a little ethical dilemma of like, well, how about you try this and you try this and let's see who doesn't die. You know, like we're not yeah. just dealing with the, the test participants themselves. We're also dealing with their offspring. And so there's not great evidence for prenatal related stuff. Um, and so they just studied thousands of women who were already making those choices. And what they discovered was that exercise was fan freaking tastic during pregnancy. Um, Hold on. Which, um, yeah. The room is spinning here. You're telling me that for human bodies, <laughs> exercise improves outcomes? I, I, I know. It just, hmm. it, it's Thank God I'm baffling. sitting down for this. I it's know. It's baffling. But that's what I, I was actually Well, we can basically wrap this podcast up right now. I mean, that level of education, <laughs> I think, is uh, maybe all people can handle for their... There's somebody really getting to the end of their it. notebook and just wrap it up. Exercise it, it works. It seems like it is. It it took so long for that to catch up to pregnancy, though, because in 2012, when I got pregnant, people were like, eh, "Should you really be hanging from a pull-up bar? That seems questionable." And I was like, yeah. "In what way?" And like, I would finish a workout at the CrossFit gym where I was working out, and people would be like, "Oh, could I get that for you and put it away?" I'm like really dude i just worked out with that sure. now that i've unloaded sure. the bar you want to take the bar for me so that you can put yeah. it back like and then smash like cut to thing. smash cut to a year later and you're wrestling a 50 pound object strapped into a car seat that's you know awkward not yeah. nearly as easy to lift as a barbell and then you're you know holding it while you you can't bend your knees reaching across your vehicle to like load it into it it's like Dude, yeah. whoever thought that women can't lift weights never saw what women are going to do in the first two years of their pregnancy. Right. And in, when you're doing it in the postpartum time period, you're doing it without a restored sense of core stabilization. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I absolutely disagree with the idea that pregnancy wrecks a woman's body. Like that's, that's crap. But you do have a completely obliterated core stabilization system because of the nature of pregnancy. Because if your abdomen didn't expand, then the very cute space-occupying lesion that's living in your body would be crushing all of your major organs. So your abdomen has to expand, which destabilizes your core. And then in the postpartum time period, the only thing you're worried about is like sucking in so you can fit in your pre-pregnancy genes. Mm -hmm. Then you're not helping your core to actually heal so then you go and stick your 50-pound car seat all the way across the car without being able to offset any weight. And, and it's nearly impossible to do it without peeing your pants. So all of that to say, I got kind of interested in the stuff. And then I started to realize like all of the stuff that I had even heard just as a, a young female and then into my 20s was crap. And I was like, wait a second, I've learned a bunch of stuff because I, I did a ton of DNS when I was in chiropractic college. I went to Palmer and um, Dr. Dave Daring is there and he was a DNS instructor. So I got to work in the rehab department with Dr. Daring. And so I was like understanding all of this core stabilization stuff. And I was like, wait, this is completely going to change during pregnancy. How am I going to respond to that? How am I going to take my athletic endeavors into that? What is that going to look like? 
And then I was like, and, and I was mostly treating CrossFit athletes at the time, but as I got more interested in what am I going to do for my pregnancy, then it kind of just started attracting more people to me. And then I got pregnant and then my belly was like a magnet for other pregnant women to come at the belly. Um, yeah. And then it's just kind of been, that, that's just what I've been doing basically since I gave birth in 2013 the first time. So that's interesting because, you know, I think, uh, you know, CrossFit gets a, a lot of bad rap by a lot of people are like making fun of it. Um, especially like in the chiropractic rehab world, they're like, oh, people shouldn't be doing this thing. But, you know, I've always been an advocate for at that time in the, in those 10 years that CrossFit really got popular, major things happened. Number one, most important of all of the things that happened was the proliferation of yoga pants as standard wear for women. That's the most important. <laughs> then second to that, and almost as important, is that was the first like training program that was very popular with women that said, train your legs and train them hard, right? Like you should be able to squat and lunge and deadlift and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you started seeing great, like great glutes on women that were not surgically implanted. It was like, whoa, like right. this it was is like the antithesis awesome. of the Kardashians. Yes. But I mean, up to that point, it was like, oh, I do the you know, thigh master. I do I want step the aerobics long, and all this stuff. I lean look. I right. want to be bulky. Right. And it's like, dude, that <laughs> bulk looks fantastic. Like it's the right yeah. kind of bulk. So you yeah. saw that. And then you also saw this thing. I really want to know like what percentage of the US population at the year 2000, let's say before CrossFit really existed, what percentage of the population under the age of 30 could perform three pull-ups? Mm-hmm. And if we fast forward 20 years later, what what's the percentage of the population that could perform three pull-ups? Nobody was doing multi-joint, large, forceful exercises like pull-ups and combining it with deadlifts and squatting. You know, like there were yeah. all these great things that occurred. All that is to say, here you are at this, during this revolution in exercise, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's okay mm-hmm. for you to, I mean, God, like in 2005, it was like, don't squat, it's bad for your knees. Yeah. Except for all these people who are squatting who move a whole lot better than people that didn't. Besides that, you know, so Ignore I mean, we're that. still, yeah, we're <laughs> still dealing with like that, you know, these wives tales about that. Um, and then you, you're in this revolution of exercise and then being the person that you are, you're like, what is the tip of the spear of this revolution? Let me go to the most protected population. Oh, women. Okay. Nah, I want it to be more protected than that. Mm. <laughs> Pregnant women. Pregnant okay. Women. Keep talking. Pregnant women who are exercising aggressively and you're like taking it out to that end and saying, I'm going to work my ass off to keep those people working out and not get injured. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I love working with, I always say, country club golfers. I, my patient base is, old, is male, pale, and stale. They're old, <laughs> crusty, rich guys. Right? But the reason I love it is challenging-wise, I did a survey one time, 70%, 70% of my patient population at that time had at least one joint replaced. They'd had multiple surgeries. Like 40% of them had a rotator cuff repair. 80% of them had been in an auto accident in the last 10 years. Like all these things, all these comorbidities. Plus, they're probably 32% scotch at any point in their life. Mostly and then they're like, yeah. Right. And also, at 74 years old, I want to take all that and I want you to help me drive the ball 10 yards further this coming Sunday. And it's like, okay, cool. Now we have a challenge. Now right. my skills are being right. put to the, I mean, to get a 28 year old, you know, who has mechanical low back pain better in 10 visits doesn't, uh, it's not, that's really not, a, out of yeah, you don't have to have the world champion belt to do that one. Right. Uh, so you went the other way. You're like, no, I want to go with women. Now, did you consider, uh, you know, albinos? Were you thinking of albino hemophiliacs like, or you're I, only. I would like to state for the record that I do not exclude albinos from from treatment i had not yet but i just picture you're like i'm going to build a practice on albino hemophiliac prenatal crossfit athletes yeah i mean that's basically what i sought to do so i still have some metrics to meet i'll tell you what talk about niching down (laughs) talk (laughs) about niching be the chiropractor for those people and and yeah it'd be great i so uh, i i didn't specifically think that I was going to completely change my practice by like looking into this. But then the more that I looked into it, the more I was like, oh, 
These people don't have anybody. And I know how to read a research article. So I know that when somebody says to me, oh, we shouldn't lift 40 pounds over your head. And then I go and look it up and I'm like, yeah, there's literally no data on that. We just made that crap up. Like we just pulled this out of thin air. It has no basis in reality. Uh, And the idea that like, if you have your arms overhead, that that you're going to wrap the umbilical cord around baby's neck, like, where these ideas came from or the 140 beats per minute that women are supposed to keep their heart rate under Mm. completely made up. All of it was Mm. just bogus. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm learning this stuff, my patients probably don't know this stuff. So I could share some of this stuff. So then I, you know, I would, I was just saying it to my male CrossFit athletes who were talking about, you know, starting a family or they tell me that their wife Mm. is pregnant or something. And so, and the more that I started talking about that, the more I was like, seeing more and more pregnant women. And then, you know, each mm-hmm. patient is that opportunity to learn more about what, yeah. what they're going through and what I can help them with or, and what is out of my scope of practice. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been kind awesome. of fun, different. And yeah. now I just talk about the pelvic floor all day, which is super great and exciting because we all have them. So. Let's hope. I mean, um, without a pelvic I, floor, life gets pretty tough. It, it gets real tough real quick. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, going back, so, so there you are, you're going through CrossFit, you're, you're pregnant yourself, you're in, you know, what were maybe the, the first big, what was like the first big bet you kind of made with yourself? Like, I, I think this is complete horseshit and I, I'm going to basically prove it. Was it, you know, okay, research so the- related? Was it patient related? You said, uh, I just, I really think this can, we can change this approach. So the, the, what's the guy, the, uh, in the Olympics that did the high jump, the, uh, Fosbury, the Dick Fosbury moment, yeah. right? He, he's like, we, what are we doing? Why are we you know jumping Why over the bar like this? Let's flop this. over we it. Could, we could flop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I discovered an accidental way that I could hit PRs during pregnancy. And, and part of that was, um, so I was a volleyball athlete, but, um, you know, and I, I'd stayed athletic and active. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever have any sort of history of Olympic lifting prior to, you know, we did some basic lifts. <laughs> Nobody volleyball. had a history of it. I competed in Olympic weightlifting in college. And when I left the weight room, like to find a set of bumper plates was, it, I may as well have been trying to dig up plutonium, you know? <laughs> was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but so, I lifted from like I, did, I until couldn't tell the difference between a snatch and a clean before yeah. I ever did CrossFit. So I was a little bit in that I'm new to CrossFit, so I'm PRing all the time. But I remember I was 10 weeks pregnant and we were cleaning that day. And my previous clean max was like 130 or 135. And and I just was like I, I tend to not do my barbell math until the end because I'm not mm-hmm. trying to confuse myself. I'm just trying to right. work out. So I go by feel and I just, you know, throw on some plates. And then at the end, I very much confuse myself. It's like, wait, is that that's 25? And then, I, you know, it's challenging. But I, uh, I cleaned 140. And then I was like, oh, oh, oops. And then I was like, actually, I feel really good. Like at, that didn't even feel... I, I don't think, I don't know that this is a real thing, but I, I, I feel like there are these physical one rep maxes and then there are the neurological one rep maxes. Like a physical one rep max is like, okay, I probably can't lift anymore today. And I the like neurological yeah. one rep max is like, okay, I am done now. I need a nap. I need a snack. I might need a shot of something, whether it be a steroid or tequila. Yeah. And I also, I'm not sure. You get sure out of the gym name. and you sit in your car like, and you're just like, Sit there for like ten minutes, staring through the windshield, like, "Oh my god, I'm going. I need, <laughs> and, I need time." And what is life right now? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I didn't, I didn't hit any neurological one rep maxes during pregnancy, but I did uh, max my clean, and I maxed my squat during pregnancy, and they were both completely unintentional. I just was like putting weight on the barbell, and then you know my previous one rep max prior to pregnancy was two hundred and for the back squat. And I did 205 just kind of on accident, you know, like. Well, the funny thing is too, if you do the net, because if you think about like body weight, like your body weight is going up, right? Like during Mm -hmm. pregnancy. But then the flip side is it's going up much faster than you can adapt to it. 
Yeah. In in the sense of like, so the net effect of a two hundred five PR compared to where you started is probably like the like a two twenty or you know something like two twenty five PR because of the that, additional yeah. weight of the baby that you're carrying, but it's it's accelerating but it's faster. It's not like than, additional weight in my glutes. And yeah, hands, this is like, not like a chuck wagon <laughs> buffet weight that you're gain, gaining here. Like yeah. this is healthy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So yeah. I I think that was that was very eye opening for me as as an athlete and then also yeah. as a doctor to be like, okay, what I really want to ensure is that patients are recognizing like what would, what would be the point of doing a one rep max during pregnancy? There really isn't a point unless what you're doing is just attempting to train the strength and endurance of your major muscle groups. And in so doing, you happen to hit a one rep max. That's okay. If your yeah. goal is, you know what, I want to see how much weight I can lift during pregnancy. Well, that doesn't really match the fact that the the intention of prenatal training is actually because you're coming up on your event day. So Mm -hmm. Olympic weightlifters, they know exactly like, okay, I'm going to have to do these lifts and I'm going to have to execute at this weight. And this is the time that the meet starts and this is the location, et cetera. For endurance athletes, they're like, okay, here's the the race Map Sunday, May 19th, I'm running the Ironman. Exactly. And so for birth, you don't know if you're going to literally have a baby like an hour after labor starts or if it's going to be three days after labor starts. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's going to be this like rapid onset with massive contractions and then holy shit, there's a baby. I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you if it's okay to swear. Or I guess we'll if- pass it, that point now, huh? <laughs> I just asked for forgiveness instead of permission. Or if it's going to be a situation where it's kind of a a more of a grueling endurance type of event. Mm -hmm. So when you're training, you have to have that variability. And that's one of the things where CrossFit does a great job of maintaining a a sense of who knows what's coming before you show up to the gym that is actually really great during pregnancy. Now, I I haven't done CrossFit since my, um, my second child was born in the postpartum time period, which is very, very, very common for women uh, to experience. I was diagnosed with um, some autoimmune conditions. And so high intensity exercise was not uh, not recommended for my newly uh, diagnosed state. Um, I actually have no autoimmune markers any longer. So there's that. I don't know if you know this, Josh, but a gluten-free diet... Mm-hmm. <laughs> is very helpful. For those of you who do not know, Josh hates that I am gluten-free and dairy-free and also nightshade-free because it makes me a giant pain in the butt. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I yes. use There my we are, Parker. Hey, would you, like a, would you like a drink? Well, what's in the drink? <laughs> I don't know, Lindsay. It's a drink. It's well, a let drink. me check. Is it do nightshade alcohol? Is it dairy alcohol? Is it gluten alcohol? <laughs> And so it's like a giant vacuum cleaner sucking all the fun out of life. But go ahead. Let's keep talking. There's somebody out there that agrees with you. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah. His name's Mark Hyman. I don't know if you heard him. (laughs) No. He sounds boring. So Yeah, obviously a fraud. Anyway, so I I haven't done CrossFit since um, 2016. But, you know, I did it through both of my pregnancies. And I just kind of, I was like, okay, my intention here is that I want to get strong. I want to be yeah. ready for anything and I want to maintain a level of physical activity that is going to serve me as a parent. I love it. Yeah, so yeah. one one thing I would love to to hear from you is since you're running fitness classes for women. So I can remember one of the most impactful days of learning I ever had. I was listening to Charlie Weingroff. I don't know if you know Charlie. He's mm-hmm. a amazing physical therapist and he was talking about rehabbing this 14-year-old girl who blew her ACL, um, she was a volleyball player, right? And he was saying, he was bringing up this point about all the factors we forget in rehab. And he, he was saying that the, probably the most important thing we do during her rehab is get her to PR and pull-ups. And I remember listening to that sentence and I was like, what, what are you talking? Like, you, am, you said ACL, dude, what? And right. he... He knew he 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 stated that to throw everybody off, and he said, "Because here's the deal: where do your lats attach? In your lumbo uh, thoracolumbar fascia, right? Okay, that's the backside of what your core. Okay, so is it important for her to have a stable core? Well, yeah, that's that's a good idea. 
And he said, you know, when she returns to volleyball, do we want her to have a, a stable core and an ability to go overhead? Well, yeah, of course. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. what, what's another exercise where you get a huge stimuli in the upper extremity with a stable core? Okay, pull-ups are pretty good. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. and she's 14. So do you think she's dealing with some social pressures, some awkwardness of going through puberty, maybe the, uh, you know, psychology of being like a young girl? I was like, well, yeah, that's reasonable. And do you think giving her that moment to shine in doing pull-ups and hitting a PR would probably spill over into a lot of other aspects of her life? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he said, do you think any of that's going to happen with terminal knee extensions and blah, blah, blah? And I was like, (laughs) okay, good point. And that to me was like, yeah, that's one of the roles that exercise plays when people are in these bad states, giving them the wins of if she, that girl, I'm just picturing in my mind, a 14 year old, you know, lanky, like you were a volleyball player, like you're, it's awkward. You're all knees and elbows. And then if you hit three pull-ups on your own, it's life changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And then the pressures of school and, and boys and, you know, body image issues and all those things start to erode. I'm not saying they go away, but they start to erode and maybe they erode very quickly, you know? And I was like, and so he's like, so when you're designing your rehab program for this girl, what will make the biggest impact on her as a whole person? And, you know, I'm like taking my pen and like crossing out, like, you know, knee extension, uh, you know, uh, clamshells, like all the low level BS we give our patients, right? Right. So that whole story is to lead into, here you are, you're, you're a doctor, you're treating people for their various things going on and their the women prenatal, midnatal, postpartum. Yeah, midnight. Heard it here first. That's right. <clears throat> um, but when you get them into these classes, what are some of the big milestones, keystones that you see in those classes of these women, where they maybe they start, you know, their their fragility erodes or their their perceived threat, right? This constant like mama bear, like everything's a threat kind of idea. Um, mm-hmm. What do you see in those classes? Uh, the exact opposite of that, obviously, because that was a very good leading question. But the the environment where what we have is women's fitness. And so I, I don't intend to exclude males from this. Mm-hmm. But what I discovered was that a lot of like a lot of my friends that I tried to get to come to CrossFit with me, they were super intimidated by the idea of it just sure. at the start. And, you know, and then there are dudes slinging you know, huge amounts of weight around and they're like, that's not really for me. And, you know, they still kind of have that programming and messaging of, you know, you need the long lean look and you're trying to, you know, so I'm like, okay, let's take away all of that. I actually want to do some training that's based on women's cycles. So there are cycles that we all have every single month. But then there are also the cycles of preconception and prenatal, midnatal, if you will, mm-hmm. and postpartum that 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 play into what our body. I think we is should just exchange uh, preconception to say tailgating. I mean, that's really what just in the tailgating yeah. era of yeah, that's good. Yeah. I like it. Kind of the pregame yeah. situation. Yeah, tailgating and midnatal. Yeah, friends are around. Might be alcohol. Like, there's a lot of synonyms here. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. Yeah. Uh, we're, I'm going to move on now. So the <laughs> so the the cycles that we have as females, I wanted to I wanted to mimic that, and that was something that I had done in my own training, where I was like, okay, when I'm on my period, it's different than when I'm ovulating. And I was reading some more about this, like from Alyssa Vivi and uh, Dr. Christian Northrup. Um, I've I've read a bunch of Stacey Sims stuff, and she she's a researcher and she does a lot on female physiology, and it's kind of cool. But she really refers to things basically as a, a two cycles, a, a, a two phase cycle, either you're in high hormone or you're in low hormone. And at face value, I, I like that, but there is, there are more nuances than just two phases within the cycle. And I like that I can kind of uh, compare it to the the four seasons that we have, because, you know, you have spring, which is very similar to your follicular phase and you have summer, which is very similar to ovulation and you have fall, which is very similar to the luteal phase and you have winter, which is very similar to menstruation. And Hmm. which when I present it like that, then people are like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Like you're just kind of getting rid of stuff and everything is 
is like you can't really see any new growth, but it is happening in winter and when you're bleeding and then spring and follicular phase, like new stuff is happening. And this would be a new egg that could in summer become a baby. And then in the fall, we're kind of closing the loop. So if you didn't implant, you, you didn't utilize that egg to implant, well, then we're going to get rid of that. And we're going to move on to the next cycle. Anyway, I wanted that stuff to be part of training because my training changes in the winter and in the spring, summer, fall, and my training changes within my own cycle. And then when I was pregnant and when I was immediately postpartum, that also was part of it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to play around with programming. And it wasn't something that I'd ever done for any, anyone else except for myself, with the exception of writing like very short, like, you know, four week or six week kind of, I want you to do this during pregnancy, or I want you to do this for this, this sort of specific rehab. Um, to actually write like a year's worth of programming was a really big undertaking and it was really fun. And it, it was a completely new challenge for me. And I do like those. So, um, so I set those up and, and for, for women to start to share that stuff intentionally was helpful because then you start to pick up on like, Oh, that happens to you too. And that's a normal thing or that I didn't know about that. This is new information. So it's just a way of like sharing information that, I think the health of females is dependent upon. And it also uh, allows for almost like the buddy system, like, oh, you're ovulating too? Like, let's do this set together. And which is a little bit ridiculous. It was super fun. Um, And there's also just not so much of the competitive aspect because like that is, it's good and it can be very healthy. So the women who are ovulating can compete with the other women who are ovulating. But if you're on your period and you're trying to go up against the woman who's ovulating, Bro, it doesn't work I'll out. ovulate and, so much more than you right now. Okay. You, okay you Let's can, bet Chipotle on this. Who can ovulate the <laughs> most right now? Me and you. There are significant differences in the hormones of a female when she is bleeding and when she is ovulating and her workout will reflect that. Yeah. So... If you are working with women who are in the same cycle, but instead of like, okay, well, you know, only work out by yourself, making it so that, okay, I, I kind of grouped people together. So based on where they are in pregnancy, where they are in postpartum, and I have some women who are uh, perimenopausal or menopausal, as well as who have had like total hysterectomy, so they don't have any sort of cycle at all, um, or in the postpartum time period when they are experiencing uh lactational amenorrhea and they don't have their, their period then we'll just use the moon. So it's like, okay, well there's a full moon. So it's kind of like ovulation. We're going to do that. Um, and so those, I, I have a set of four different like rep schemes that those women <laughs> would do. We're all working out together. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's really cool to see the, like the, the community that starts to happen with that. And I think especially in the past two years, that's just been so missing that, you know, having a place where they could go and show up and it kind of felt normal was really, really important for people. And, you know, I mean, there, I actually, I kind of backed off a little bit of classes, like at the beginning of COVID, because I was like, okay, I don't want my practice to get shut down because somebody's trying to say that this is non-essential, you know, Yeah. but that advanced I was sort rehab, of, yo. it's advanced rehab. It was very advanced rehab because I was like, yeah. okay, no, this is medically necessity, like absolutely yeah, yeah. medical necessity here. So uh, we're going to go with it and I'm going to keep doing classes because these people absolutely need physical activity yeah. and it, whether they're my patients or not, because some people aren't patients and they just come to class. So I can absolutely justify anybody showing up for that. So um, that doesn't answer your question at all, but that's, you know, a little bit about my workout. Yeah, well, so, now it's, no, I think it's great because now it really gives people um, a picture of what it's like to talk to or have lunch with Lindsay. This is what it's like. You ask one question, it goes off the rails, you bring it back, it still goes off the rails. But the amazing thing is, I think along the way, you did cite research while off the rails, which is, that is tough to do. I want you to know it's, that it's and hard. it's appreciated. It's hanging yeah. on, you know? Yeah, she has uh, evidence-based schizophrenia or something. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, Tom Brady does. Yeah, too. yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, no, but I, I think you did hit on, in all seriousness, I think you did hit on some important points. One of which I hear, I hope. One of the things we always talk about in the clinic gym hybrid model is this idea: like we will never win the game with more space than our local big box gym. 
You just won't. You're not going to have more space. You're not. We'll never win the game because we have the newest or best or most equipment. You're never going to do that. You're never going to win the game with, we have a better hot tub, sauna, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you don't have the money for those facilities and that's fine. Let the other jokers play that game because the one thing you do have is expertise. And so mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious, like you have the expertise around this. And when I'm, I'm sure when patients hear that or you talk to them about it, they're like, absolutely, that makes perfect sense. I wouldn't want to train anywhere else because I don't feel as safe at my local big box gym as I do here because they understand the luteal phase versus the, you know, like all these things. And you like bringing those up reassures those people in a very, those women are in a very, we could say vulnerable place, right? Like it's one of the, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're physically vulnerable. I'm just saying like mentally we're in the state of like, you're bringing another life into the world, play it safe, right? That's a bio, yeah. that's, that's deep in the, <laughs> the double yeah. helix, like yeah, <laughs> whether you want it to be or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's, it's great. And along with that expertise, I think it's so easy to sell people into a fitness program when you decide who you want to serve. So in this case, you want to serve those young and up and coming mothers, right? That's essentially who it is. So Mm -hmm. how do you talk to them? What do you talk to them about? Becomes super easy because you know what they're going to go through. And there's a saying in, you know, in, in, uh, in marketing, you want to get to the point where you know your customer better than they know themselves. So for example, if you're marketing a weight loss program that involves exercise, you want to know them better than they know themselves you know that two weeks in to a new exercise program, they're going to be sore as hell, right? Like to the point where it's difficult to pick up, put on socks, right? They're sore as hell. So talk about, hey, you're going to be sore in a week. Here's some steps to reduce soreness. That kind of stuff, they're like, wow, you really understand it. Mm -hmm. You've gone through that whole thing with the prenatal, the preconception, conception, prenatal, postpartum and you say, here's what's coming up next. Here's what we're training for. Here's what we're doing. And here's the rep schemes appropriately. Like it would not be hard for, in my mind, I picture it's not hard for you to talk a woman into the fitness classes, right? No. I mean, I, uh, I, I think actually that this is a complete plug. Reading your newsletter uh-huh. has helped encourage me to talk to more patients about it because for a little while it was kind of like my happy little space where uh you know yeah. everyone had medical reasons to not wear masks and work out <laughs> so I was like I don't really need to push this that hard this is just a great yeah. little space where nobody is coming in um but but reading uh you know when I signed up for your newsletter I was like, okay, you know what? I really do need to start talking to more of my patients about this because I want more of them to join. And when I talk to them about it, they do join. And, you know, it, it's when I'm, when I'm there for the weekend, because if I'm not teaching over a weekend and I'm, I'm in town, I'm going to be at that class. And so I don't take it for granted that a lot of my patients want to hang out with me. You know, like we have really intimate conversations during their treatments. Yeah. And so we can continue those in more of a community setting and like get to know each other better and hang out on the weekends. But, you know, you were saying about how you get to the point where you know your patients or, or whoever it is that you're working with better than they know themselves. One of the things, because, you know, I taught so many classes in person for a while. And then I decided that I was going to put my postpartum rehab class online which I did not as a COVID thing at all. Like I was already planning to do that and mm. then it ended up quite convenient. Um, but my, my one friend who, who took the course, because it's online. And so my, my recommendation, because there are people who don't have access to any of this information anywhere in their community. I wanted for everybody that I knew or anybody who knew me to be able to say, well, here's what, Dr. Lindsay Muma is recommending for postpartum rehabilitation. This is a six-week program that you can do on your own. Um, but people who are local, I say, enroll in the class. As long as you have taken the first two classes and you have like some amount of the base information, and we start off with diaphragmatic breathing and like really slowing stuff down. As long as you've done that, then you can come and join us for women's fitness, and we won't we won't ramp it up the same way that we do for other people. We will take it very slow with you because the intention of the postpartum time period is healing and resetting a foundation for stability. Um, 
And, and my one girlfriend who was taking the class, she was like, I swear to God, it wasn't an online class and you were actually watching me through my computer because you kept saying, <laughs> you probably have your hands here. And then I would look and my hands were exactly where you said that they would be, but you were not in my house. And I don't understand how you knew that. And I was like, well, because I've been postpartum myself. I've coached so many women who are postpartum. I've worked with patients who are postpartum. And I know that when I say to put your hands on your lower abdomen, you avoid the spot that's kind of soft and squishy. So, you know, I know what this is like and I know how to help you recreate proprioception in that area so that your brain and your body are ready for healing. And that's, it's really freaking yeah. important. So, yeah. Anyway, we went off the rails. I mean, yeah, I went fine. off. You seem that's to fine. stay on track. You're doing a great job. No, that's, uh, I think this is all interesting because like, I'm really trying to encourage people to, you know, find what you're an expert in and stick there. And when people ask like, oh, I want to open a clinic gym hybrid in six months. I think one of the big steps, maybe the biggest step is deciding the who, the perfect avatar, right? Because then you can talk to them about the things that you can agree. You can use a secret language. You can use the secret <laughs> hand placement. You can use all that stuff. And they go, this is the place for me. Like I would not want to be anywhere else. And in fact, I'm, and price becomes a non-issue. Like so many people, when we work on pricing, I say like, you got to end up for small group class between two and $300 a month for people, right? So four people at a time get between two and $300, unless you're in like New York City, it needs to go like to $500, right? But just consistently. And they're like, I don't know anybody to pay that. And I'm like, the right person who hears your secret language and hears you as an expert would gladly pay that amount. Not every right. one of them, but enough certainly to fill your little 800 square foot gym or whatever you got. Like you're talking about like 50 people, 60 people, right? So I think like if you're into, you know, rock climbers, like, and you start talking about the different secret language and rock climbing and the, the grips and the, you know, what kind of route it was and all the common injuries and oh, I, I, I can't remember. There's some move called like an Elvis or something. Uh, you start talking about those things and people start nodding their heads like, yeah, this person gets it. And then mm -hmm. it's easy. What, what's your newsletter about? Well, it's about like common rock climbing injuries. And you want to go get more people in your gym? Go out and talk to rock climbing groups and clubs and, you know, suppliers and offer to put on a, a class, the local REI. And with you, I'm thinking like, you know, like you have all this opportunity. And I just hope people are hearing a lot of that opportunity is because Lindsay's super clear on who she's serving. She's serving mm -hmm. somebody much like herself, which is totally cool, which was, uh, a young new mother who wants to exercise and doesn't want to be scared in life. Now that's not everybody. In fact, there's a lot of moms that don't want to exercise. That's fine. Just yeah. they're not going to be comfortable with Lindsay's place. That's fine. Like the ones who are, are like, I can't believe a place like this exists. I'm blown away. This is amazing. So that's yeah. the biggest lesson I'm hoping people are taking away. But on the flip side, some people go, shut up, Josh. We want to hear more of, of Lindsay. If people are crazy enough to want to spend a weekend with you or something, <laughs> Uh, I know you put on some coursework. You certainly spoke at Parker. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's recently um, at Parker Vegas, you warmed up the room for Michael Phelps, right? You, you did I, eight did hours happen. of talking to get to him. I did not get to meet him though, because his handler mm -hmm. was like, no one else can be in the green room. And so yeah. uh, Dr. Krennic had to like get my bag out of the green room because I wasn't allowed to be where Michael it happened Phelps to me in Dallas. Yeah. I left my like, bag in there and then Damon John goes in there and basically places on lockdown. I'm like, Dude, yeah. it's just a gray bag. Dude, so anyway. I just would like to get my bag and my phone. Okay. Right. All right. Well, fine. Michael Phelps, we could have been friends. But so you'll be at Parker. Him. You'll be at Parker in Orlando, right? And, the, yes. and probably some yeah. others. But if somebody wants to spend the weekend specifically going over the, your methods of evaluating, treating, all these yeah. things with the pelvic floor, where can they, where can they do that? How can they do uh, that? So the perinatal manual care course, which is put on by myself and Dr. Erica Boland, um, that is a move mentors course. And we run that with Gestalt Education, which is Dr. Brett Winchester and Taylor Primer. And they, um, so they host us in St. Louis. And uh -huh. then we're actually also doing another um, course in Annapolis, Maryland. And that Hold is on, a, real quick. If people yeah. want to sign up for that course, Mm -hmm. through Gestalt. It's through the Gestalt uh, Yeah, if they just go website. to gestaltedu.com, they can sign up for okay. it. Or if you go to lindsaymuma.com, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-M-U-M-M-A, then uh, you can find like my teaching schedule and stuff. Right, um, <clears throat> yeah, but... Uh, Annapolis. Yeah, 
there is a, I want to make sure that I don't misspeak about it because it's really freaking cool, but there is a chiropractic residency program that they are going to be running kind of out of the Elevate Life Clinic. And they asked if they could, uh, if, if we would be interested in kind of uh, like promoting their program, which I very much so am. Um, uh, Dr. Eric Corzin is one of the docs at the Elevate Life Clinic. And I know the owner of the clinic, Dr. Johns, um, but the, they want to start a residency program for chiropractors that uh, kind of brings people into their, uh, they have a multidisciplinary clinic and they want to kind of create better continuing education for new graduates. So I think it's, I'm not positive, but I think it's an 18 month residency where you could go and work for them. And it's a paid residency. This is, it's such a brilliant idea. So they are hosting us in October. So in April, I will be in St. Louis. Uh, Dr. Boland and I will be teaching the Move Mentors Perinatal Manual Care course. And then in October, we're teaching that class in Annapolis at the Elevate Life life clinic where the, and that is where they are starting. Like they're, they're going through like credentialing processes and everything. Like they're really, really doing this thing. Right. Um, and they're going to start a chiropractic residency program. So they wanted our course to be one of their, um, kind of recommended ones that they would offer to their, their, um, resident residents. Yes. That yeah. would be what they're called for the residency program. Awesome. <laughs> So yeah, so that um, so that's where I'll be teaching, and then I'm actually I'm in the process of writing a book. Um, I I published three, I self published three books, the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester. Because after my first pregnancy, I realized how frequently people were just asking, "What about my situation?" Because I you know I'll spout off research and I'll share this is the, you know most common findings and blah blah blah, and people are like, "Yeah, but what about you?" Because they know that I'm an absolute jerk when it comes to my own health and that I will, I take it very seriously and that, uh, you know, and, and, and they wanted to know, okay, well you work out and you eat food intentionally and you don't eat other food intentionally. And you know, you're meditating and doing things that are good for your body. Did you have this happen? And what did you do if you got leg cramps and et cetera? So I decided at the beginning of my second pregnancy that I would just write about the experience. And so I did that. And at the time, I did not, I kind of jokingly, I, I, I don't, I, I remembered it this past week. I was like, I actually wrote that at the end of my third book. I wrote, maybe my next book will be about the pelvic floor, but my next book is definitely going to be about the pelvic floor. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm figuring out what publishing looks like. I may self-publish again, or I might try and actually work with a publisher. We'll see. I mean, Kindle kind of makes it really easy to publish. So I might just do that, but I am, am writing a book about the pelvic floor and it's going to be, be for the general population, which also includes physicians because so many of us just have no basis for information about the pelvic floor. And like I was saying, when I spoke at Parker, you know the anatomy of the shoulder and you know the anatomy of the hip and, and, and you have just glossed over the anatomy of the pelvic floor because it's very inconveniently located. And I don't think that's appropriate for those of us who are experts in neuromusculoskeletal care. Like we need to know all of our anatomy literally in and out. And we also need to understand its function. And so I think it would be very, very helpful for the general population to have a better understanding of that. I also think that it would be very helpful for doctors to have a better understanding of that. And, you know, the only thing that people know is Kegels. And if those worked, then one out of every four or even one out of every three women would not be peeing their pants. So. Awesome. So. <laughs> so uh, remember when you asked me if you want to take a course? Yeah. So perinatal movement, the movement yes. is perinatal manual care course in April and, and October. I also teach for MPI. So if you want to come to any Motion Palpation Institute courses, I'm, I'm teaching some of those. Uh, yeah. And I'll be back That's at awesome. Parker for stuff whenever they ask me. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to get out there. I think the, the desire to talk more and learn more about the pelvic floor and um, prenatal and perinatal and midnatal is, is, is growing, you know? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. more and more people are out there looking for it looking for ideas. The other thing is, you know, if you want to get people primed up and ready, I remember hearing 
Rob Wolf talk about like how something at one point, a third of the women in his gym who were of the right age were saying like, yeah, we've been trying to get pregnant for, and I said it was more than two years, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you some accolades here. He said, you know, you get them on a paleo uh, diet, you know, dairy-free, gluten-free, everything-free, fun-free. But anyways, you get them on that diet and then you get them doing big movements. Like it kind of like restore, in some way restores your systems in your body and gets you back to yeah. normal. And then within two years, they're pregnant. And some of these people have been trying for 10 years, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying there's a perfect line between, you know, that it's going to work for everybody, but it certainly can't hurt. It certainly, it certainly can't hurt. not hurt yeah. to be able to control your pelvis in a deadlift and have better fertility. Right. And look better yeah. in a pair of jeans, so, right? It's like, so easy no... to draw those conclusions because yeah. of the underlying biomechanics influence your organ health. Right. So if if you if if you're missing one, then then you can very easily be missing the other. And there and there is a lot of evidence on the impact of diet and fertility. So, well, I guess people can <laughs> learn that from you at one of those weekend seminars. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome, and I hope they catch you a glimpse of you at Parker and all the other places you'll be. Because if they're if they're into that. I think you are the person to deliver it. So I want to say thanks. Yeah, thanks for the time today. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you, especially when you compare me to Tom Brady and then simultaneously, like in the next five seconds, put me down about something. So it's it's good for my ego. Good. All right. Well, I'm happy to do that for you. And with that, (laughs) uh, I want to sign off by saying, I think you're a perfect example of what we sign off saying every time, which is go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.